Hello and welcome to Infinite Cast, your podcast, and greetings from beautiful, scenic Sun Valley, Idaho. Mm. Molly, your intrepid hosts, uh, me, myself, Chris Wade, and this Molly O'Brien. We are staring at the Rocky Mountains on the patio of a rented house. There's a beautiful babbling brook next to us. We saw some goddamn elk in the yard yesterday. It's Western time. It's Western. We're we're frontier pilled, folks. It's the Mountain West. We're go- we're going um we're going mountain mode. We're going mountain mode. Uh, we are out here for my cousin's wedding. Shout out to Whitney and Pat. Beautiful wedding. Oh, what, what a, a beautiful, beautiful wedding! Says the bridesmaid to the waiter. Um, we realize that our schedule has been a bit erratic, but we are here uh, shirking away from family duties uh, to bring you. Another edition of Infinite Cast. Yes. The pod must flow. The pod must flow. No matter where we go. Uh, we've been driving around listening to Bob FM, uh, <laughs> the greatest hits from the 80s and 90s and today. I learned Bob FM is a, is not just a local. I thought it was like, oh, it's like an Idaho, quirky Idaho radio station. No, no. And no, mean, it's like a format that's yeah, yeah, like, it's like. Clear Channel or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's like 20 Bob FMs. Um, yeah. But, <sighs> but they've been playing the hits, folks. They've been playing the hits. It's been hitting. It's weird that they've never come up with a better phrase than the 80s, the 90s, and today. Like, it's still today. It really is. It's, it, it, it really tells you that, as, we've always, as we always say, uh, you know, 9-11 really was the end, end of, of history. End of history. Uh, but been, not even devoing ever since. Not in the, the good aspirational way that, uh, like, Fukuyama predicted, but in that we are stuck in the eternal recurrence, the the forever hell of now. Yeah. Of the 80s, the 90s, and today. Today. It never stops being today. Yeah. Uh, which, in its way, I think is is a fairly Wallacean idea. Yeah. It's a, it's annular, um, annular time. Yes. And subsidized time, of course. And subsidized time. Bob yeah. FM. Bob FM. <laughs> the year of the Bob <laughs> FM. The year of Bob FM. <laughs> Uh, you got anything? I've, I've I've been monologuing. I'm revved up. I'm ready to pod. You're ready to pod. Uh, All right. Do, uh, do you have anything to say before we dive in? I don't think so. I think let's let's get into it. We're we were mid conversation with Avril and Mario. Mario. Okay, Mario Incandenza. <laughs> okay, great. Are the Incandenzas Italian? I don't know if they're like it. It could be Italian or like Spanish or, I mean, it's obviously Incandenza light. They're trying to do like a Lumiere type of thing of like, yeah, yeah. you know, the the director. Yes. Uh, and and his uh, lumens. Um, he, he paints with the light. He paints with light. Like Thomas Kincaid. Yes. My favorite <laughs> artist. I've actually, uh, we can talk about this at a, at a later time. I've, I, I fuck with uh, Thomas Kincaid's whole thing pretty heavy. Yes. It, it gives me great ideas about I mean, like what, reason, what is art. He's, there's a reason he's the most popular. Yeah. There's a reason he's the goat. It's because he's the best. <laughs> He's the greatest American artist. You might, uh, y'all you might are not ready like for that it. conversation. <laughs> you might not like it. Yeah. But but does he does he present you the sublime? I would argue yes. Also, if we're if we're dealing in the the sort of uh, crass nature of uh, art as commerce, well, what's who's the best artist? The one who sells the, the most, most shit. Baby. Count the count the rings. Count bitch. the rings. Count the calendars. Count the uh, um, count the like alarm clocks. <laughs> count the living living. Uh, he. He tried to create kind of like a Disneyland of uh, like Thomas Kincaid world. I believe there were like Kincaid mall stores. I wrote, yeah. A store in the mall dedicated to a painter. Who else has done it? Nobody does it. No, no, yeah, no. Picasso, please. Please. Picasso didn't have a, a, a thing in the mall. The mall wasn't really invented yes. then, but. Uh, but no, he could not. He What? You're going to go in the, ball, in the mall and uh, buy uh, Guer- Guernica? 
that is not going up on your grandma's uh, mantle. <laughs> yeah, not a cool grandma, I guess. Maybe. Yeah. All right, let's get let's get <laughs> okay, into let's it. Talk to about Infinity so Jest. Avril's mid conversation, she's talking yes. to Mario about her father, uh, her father's father, who invest made a bad investment in something called Delaware Punch instead of Coca Cola. <laughs> okay, great. Yes, I forgot. And about my this. father said his. Oh, this is a little bit of a repeat, just to get us back All in because right, we missed a week. My father said his father showed very little emotion yes, or I anger this, or this sadness about thing. this, though, um, that he c somehow couldn't. My father said his father was frozen and could feel emotion only when he was drunk. He would apparently get drunk four times a year, weep <laughs> about his life, throw my father through the living room window, <laughs> and disappear for several days, roaming the countryside of Lilay province, drunk and enraged. She's be not been looking at Mario this whole time, though Mario's been looking at her. She smiled. My father, of course, could, uh, could himself tell the story only when he was drunk. Himself. He, he never threw anyone through any windows. He simply sat in his chair, drinking ale and reading the newspaper for hours until he fell out of the chair. <laughs> and then one day he fell out of the chair and didn't get up again. And that was how your maternal grandfather passed away. <laughs> I'd never have gotten to go to university had he not died when I was a girl. He believed education was a waste for girls. It was a function of his era. It wasn't his fault. His inheritance to Charles and me paid for university. She's been smiling pleasantly this whole time, emptying the butt from the ashtray into the wastebasket, wiping the bowls inside with a Kleenex, straightening straight piles of folders on her desk. A couple odd long crinkly paper strips of bright red hung over the side of the wastebasket, which was normally totally empty and clean. Avril and Condenza is the sort of tall, beautiful woman who wasn't ever quite world-class, shiny magazine-class beautiful, <laughs> but who, early on, hit a certain pretty high point on the beauty scale and has stayed right at that point as she ages, and lots of other beautiful women age too and get less beautiful. So she's like a seven. Yeah, she's like a seven and a half, but uh, has I been forever. I feel like we've gotten this exact same description of Avril like ten times in this. Yeah, uh, she, this. she keeps getting described. <laughs> she's 56 years old, and Mario gets pleasure out of just looking, getting to look at her face still. She doesn't think she's pretty, he knows. Orin and Hal both have parts of her prettiness in different ways. Mario likes to look at Hal and at their mother and try to see just what slendering and spacing of different features makes a woman's face different from a man's <laughs> in attractive people. A male face versus a face you can just tell is female. Avril thinks she's much too tall to be pretty. She'd seemed much less tall when compared to himself, who was seriously tall. Mario wears small, special shoes, almost perfectly square, with weights at the heel and Velcro straps instead of laces, and a pair of the corduroys Orin and Condenza had worn in elementary school, which Mario still favors and wears instead of brand new pants he's given, and a warm crew neck sweater that's striped like a flea. <laughs> My point here is that certain types of persons are terrified even to poke a big toe into genuinely felt regret or sadness, or to get angry. This means they are afraid to live. They are imprisoned in something, I think. Frozen inside, emotionally. Why is this? No one knows, Lovo. It's sometimes called suppression, with the fingers out to the side again. Dolores believes it derives from childhood trauma, but I suspect not always. There may be some persons who are born imprisoned. The irony, of course, being that the very imprisonment that prohibits sadness as expression must itself feel intensely sad and painful for the hypothetical person in question. There may be sad people right here at the Academy who are like this, Mario, and perhaps you're sensitive to it. You are not exactly insensitive when it comes to people. Mario scratches his lip again. She says, what I'll do, leaning forward to write something on a post-it note with a different pen than the one she has in her mouth, is to write down for you the terms disassociation, engulfment, and suppression, which I'll put next <laughs> engulfment. to <laughs> engulfment, 
which I'll put next to another word, repression, with an underlined unequal sign between them because they denote entirely different things and should not be regarded as synonyms. Mario shifts slightly forward. Sometimes I get afraid when you forget you have to talk more simply to me. Well, then, I'm both sorry for that and grateful that you can tell me about it. I do forget things, particularly when I'm tired. I forget and just get going. Lining the edges up and folding the little sticky note in half and then half again and dropping it into the wastebasket without having to look for where the wastebasket is. Her chair is a fine executive leather swiveling chair, but it shrieks a little when she leans back or forward. Mario can tell she's making herself not look at her watch, which is all right. Hey, moms. People then who are sad, but who can't let themselves feel sad or express it, the sadness, I'm trying rather clunkily to say, these persons may strike someone who's sensitive as somehow just not quite right, not quite there, blank, distant, muted, distant, spacey was an American term we grew up with, wooden, deadened, disconnected, distant, or they may drink alcohol or take other drugs. The drugs both blunt the real sadness and allow some skewed version of the sadness some sort of expression, like throwing someone through a living room window out into the flower bed <laughs> she'd so very carefully repaired after the last incident. This is a conversation of somebody somebody without empathy trying to explain the idea of empathy to somebody with empathy. Yes. Right? Yes, that's exactly right. Moms, I think I get it. Is that better then, instead of my maundering on and on? Maundering. She's risen to pour herself coffee from the last black bit in the glass pot. So her back is almost to him as she stands there at the little sideboard. An old folded pair of USA football pants and a helmet are on top of one of the file cabinets mm. by the flag. Mm. Her one memento of Orin, who won't talk to them or contact them in any way. She has an old mug with a cartoon of someone in a dress small and perspectively distant in a knee-high field of wheat or rye that says, to a woman outstanding in her field. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> Give me this mug. A blue blazer with an Onanta insignia is hung very neatly and straight on a wooden hanger from the metal tree of the coat rack in the corner. She's always had her coffee out of the outstanding field mug, even in Weston. The mom's hangs up stuff like shirts and blazers neater and more wrinkle-free than anyone alive. <laughs> the mug has a hair-thin brown crack down one side, but it's not dirty or stained, and she never gets lipstick on the rim the way other ladies over 50 years old pinkin' pink cups rims. Mario was involuntarily incontinent up to his early teens. His father and later Hal had changed him for years, never once judging or wrinkling their face or acting upset or sad. But except, hey moms... I'm still right here. Avril couldn't change diapers. She'd come to him in tears. He'd been seven and explained and apologized. She just couldn't handle diapers. She just couldn't deal with them. She'd sobbed and asked him to forgive her and to assure her that he understood. It didn't mean she didn't love him to death or find him repellent. Can you be sensitive to something sad even though the person isn't not himself? She especially likes to hold the coffee's mug in both hands. Pardon me? You explained it very well. It helped a lot. Except what if it's it what if it's that they're almost like even more themselves than normal than they were before? If it's not that he's blank or dead, if he's himself even more than before a sad thing happened. What if that happens and you still think he's sad inside somewhere? One thing that's happened as she got over 50 is she gets a little red sideways line in the skin between her eyes when she doesn't follow you. Ms. Podrincourt gets the same little line and she's 28. I don't follow you. How can someone be too much himself? I think I wanted to ask you that. 
Are we discussing your Uncle Charles? Hey, moms. She pretends to knock her forehead at being obtuse. Mario Lovo, are you sad? Are you trying to determine whether I've been sensing that you yourself are sad? <laughs> this conversation is fucking insane. Mario's gaze keeps going from Avril to the window behind her. He can activate the Bolex's foot treadle with his hands if necessary. Is the, he is he talking about how? I think he's talking about how. Okay. Yes. He can uh the center court's towering lights cast an odd pall. Pal? Pal? Pal up I, in I, I don't think either of us have the right tongue to pron- properly pronounce that word. Paul. 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 A pallbearer. Paul. It casts a pall. An odd pall up and out into the night. The sky has a wind in it and dark, thin, high clouds whose movements pattern has a kind of writhing weave. All of this. <laughs> All of this is visible out past the faint reflections of the lit room and up the tennis lights odd small looms like crisscrossing spots. Though, of course, the sun would leave my sky if I couldn't assume you'd simply come and tell me if you were sad. There would be no need for intuition about it. And plus then to the east, past all the courts, you can see some lights in houses in the Enfield Marine Complex below. And beyond that, Commonwealth's cars, headers, and store lights, and the robed, lit ladies, downcast-looking statue atop St. Elizabeth's Hospital. Out the right to the north, over lots of different lights, is the red rotating tip of the WYYY transmitter. It spins ring of red, reflected in the visible Charles River. The Charles, tumid with rain and snowmelt, illumined in patches by headlights on Memorial and the Storo 500. The river unwinding, swollen and humped. Its top a mosaic of oil rainbows and dead branches, gulls asleep or brooding, bobbing, head under wing. All right, new segment. Uh, I there's a particular energy to coastal cities where, in addition to pigeons, there are seagulls. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, seagull towns. Seagull towns because Burlington's a seagull town because the, okay. the 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 gulls like the lake. The gulls are the the lake has gulls. Yeah, I didn't know that. You would have uh, to you would have to moderately fight seagulls at the beach if you got French fries from the snack bar. I find seagulls particularly disgusting birds. You know, I hated them for years, and then when we went to Dublin, I found them all of a sudden jaunty and uh, and <laughs> insouciant rather than <laughs> maybe annoying trash. Maybe that's just stuff. your relationship to Dublin itself, which is jaunty and insouciant. It's uh, it awakened my you know I, yeah. I was going James Joyce mode. <laughs> Should we do Joyce for the next one of these? Should we read Ulysses? Oh, twist my arm. That that would really th- this I would say is it a challenging book to read, but it's right in my I feel like it's in my wheelhouse. That would be a challenging read to do Ulysses. To do Ulysses. But hey, I'm, I'm it open to it. It feels like it's a part of what we're trying to do here. I would read it in an Irish accent, of course. <laughs> uh more to say on that that Avril uh Mario conversation, but let's but let's plow forward and do another segment. The dark had a distance had a distanceless shape. <laughs> What a what a weird set. Uh, yeah, it's like totally. But what? <laughs> the dark had a distanceless shape. The room's ceiling might as well been cl- might as well have been clouds. Boo boo. <laughs> Mario, Hal, were you asleep there, Boo? I don't think I was, because I don't want to wake you up if you were. Is it dark or is it me? <laughs> The sun won't up won't be up for a while, I don't think. So it's dark then. Boo boo, I just had a wicked awful dream. <laughs> you were saying, thank you, sir. May I have another several times? Sorry, Boo. Numerous times. Sorry. I think I slept right through it. 
Jesus, you can hear Shaq snoring all the way across. You can feel the snores vibrations in your midsection. I slept right through it. I didn't even hear you come in. Quite a nice surprise to come in and see the good old many-pillowed Mario shape in his rack again. (laughs) Silence for Mario. I hope you didn't move the bag back here just because it sounded like I might have been asking you to. I found somebody with tapes of old psychosis for until the return. I need you to show me how to ask somebody I don't know to borrow tapes if we're both (laughs) devoted. A silence from Hal. Hey, Hal. Mario, you would have loved Reddit. (laughs) YouTube. Yes. Hey, Hal. Boo-boo, I dreamed I was losing my teeth. I dreamed that my teeth dry rotted somehow into shale and splintered when I ate or spoke. And I was jettisoning jettisoning fragments all over the place. There was a long scene where I was pricing dentures. Why is that such a prominent dream? We've both had teeth falling out dreams. I'm sure everybody listening to this has mm. had a teeth falling out dream. Why is that one of the primal dreams that humans have? I think, I don't know if it's just like teeth or something that you kind of take for granted. Yes. You know, I was just thinking this morning, I'm like, why do we have to brush our teeth? Shouldn't evolution have? That, yes. Why, why do we have to, that's why how, do we have to do that? Why can't they just be self-cleaning? That's how, like, I learned recently that all newborn babies get a massive shot of vitamin K. Mm-hmm. Uh, which apparently does something for babies that they don't have. But but in my mind, I'm like, why does a newborn baby need a vitamin shot? Shouldn't it be good to go? After millions of years of evolution, you should at least get to the point where your baby comes out of the body basically like at, a, box, level, at like a level playing field, like not needing anything. Yes, I agree. Later on, medicine like evolves and like, oh, supplements or whatever, you know, you can make you better. But like the newborn baby, should be fine. Yes. Oh yeah. Straight straight out the straight out, straight the, box. out the box. Yes. <laughs> a baby unboxing video. <laughs> uh, all night last night, people were coming up, going, "Where's Hal? Have you seen Hal? What happened with CT and the urine doctor and Hal's urine?" Mom asked me, "Where's Hal?" And I was surprised at that because of how she makes it a big point never to check up. Then, without any sort of dream segue, I'm sitting in a cold room, naked as a jaybird, in a flame-retardant chair, and I keep receiving bills in the mail for teeth. <laughs> a mail carrier keeps knocking, like on, <laughs> knocking on the door and coming in without being invited and presenting me with various bills for teeth. She wants you to know she trusts you at all times and you're too trustworthy to worry about or check up on. Only not for any teeth of mine, boo. The bills are for somebody else's teeth, not my teeth. And I can't get seem to get the mail carrier to acknowledge this, that they're not for my teeth. I promised Lamont Chu I'd tell him whatever information you told me. He was so concerned. The bills are in little envelopes with plasticized windows that show the addressee part of the bills. I put them in my lap until the stack gets so big they start to slip off the top and fall to the floor. Lamont and me had a whole dialogue about his concerns. I like Lamont a lot. Boo-boo, do you happen to remember S. Johnson? S. Johnson used to be the mom's dog that passed away. And you remember how he died then? Hey, how you remember a period in time back in Weston when we were little that the moms wouldn't go anywhere without S. Johnson? She took him with her to work and had that unique car seat for him <laughs> when she had the Volvo before himself had the accident in the uh, Volvo. She would have a Volvo. They've mentioned that they had a Volvo yeah, before, right? Yeah, that's a real academic type of yeah. car. The seat was uh, from the... Little, little background for the listeners. Both Molly and I, our high school cars were... Volvos. Vroom, vroom. Uh, destined, destined to be together. Vroom, Volvo vroom, vroom, 850 bitch. Turbo, the fastest production station wagon of 1994. That was my high school car in Forced Green. 
in Forest Green. Yeah. Red tan. Like in that that kind of uh, rust magenta color that Volvo's coming. Bright, no, it was bright red. Bright red. Yeah. Cherry red. Yeah. Nice. It was sick. Uh, the sea was from the Fisher Price Company. We went to himself's opening of Kinds of Light at the Hayden, <laughs> uh, which takes us to end of three twenty. Um, main library, MIT, East Cambridge. Back to the text. That wouldn't let in cigarettes or dogs, and the moms brought S. Johnson in a blind dog's harness collar that went all the way around his chest with the square bar on the leash thing, and the moms wore those sunglasses and looked up and to the right the whole time, so it looked like she was legally blind, so they let S. J. into the Hayden with us because he, did, he had to be there, and Howe himself just thought it was a good one on the Hayden, he said. I keep thinking about Oren and how he stood there and lied to her about S. Johnson's map getting eliminated. You remember how the dog died? The drag behind the car? Yeah, yeah. just turned into a nubbin. She, the nubbin, yes, of course. She was sad. I've been thinking compulsively about Oren ever since CT called us all in. When you think about Oren, what do you think, Boo? The best was remember when she had to fly and wouldn't put him in a cagey box and they wouldn't even let a blind dog on the plane, so she'd leave S. Johnson and make him uh, leave him out tied to the Volvo, and she'd make Oren put a phone out there with its antenna up during the day out by where S. Johnson was tied to the Volvo, and she'd call on the phone and let it ring next to S. Johnson because she said how S. Johnson knew her personal ring on the phone and would hear the ring and know that he was thought about and cared about from afar, she said. Uh, white women do be crazy about their dogs. It's true. She was unbent where that dog was concerned, I remember. She bought some kind of esoteric food for it. Remember how often she bathed it? Silence for Mario. What was it with her and that dog, boo? And the day we were out rolling balls in the driveway, and Oren and Marlon were there, and S. Johnson was lying there on the driveway tied to the bumper with the phone right there, and it rang and rang, and Oren picked it up and barked into it like a dog and hung it up and turned it off? Silence from Hal. So she's think it was S. Johnson? The joke that Oren thought was such a good one? Jesus, boo, I don't remember any of that. And he'd said we'd get Indian rub burns down both arms if we didn't pretend how we didn't know what she was talking about if and when she asked us about the bark on the phone when she got home. The Indian rub burns I remember far too well. We were supposed to shrug and look at her like she was minus cards from her deck or else. Oren lied with a really pathological intensity growing up is what I've been remembering. He made us laugh really hard a lot of times, though. I miss him. I don't know whether I miss him or not. I miss family trivia. Do you remember four times he let us sit in on when they played family trivia? You got a phenomenal memory for this stuff, boo. Silence for Mario. You probably think I'm uh, wondering why you don't ask me about the thing with CT and Pemulus and the impromptu urine after the Eschaton debacle where the urologist took us right down to the administrative loo and was going to watch us personally while we filled his cups, like watch it go in, the urine, to make sure it came from us personally. I think I especially have a phenomenal memory for things I remember that I liked. <laughs> uh, I would say I have a phenomenal memory for things that I didn't like. <laughs> Bad memories. Uh, <laughs> you can ask if you like. Hey, how? The key datum is that the Onanta guy didn't actually extract urine. What is something crawling? Oh, it's like a tiny little spider crawling up my microphone. Oh. I will let it be. It's like a little albino spider. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. Everything's fine. The key datum is that the Onanta guy didn't actually extract urine samples from us. We got to hold on to our urine, as the moms no doubt knows quite well. Don't kid yourself from CT. I have a phenomenal memory for things that make me laugh, is what I think it is. 
that Pemulus, without self-abasement or concession of anything compromising, got the guy to give us 30 days, the fundraiser, the Whataburger, Thanksgiving break, then Pemulus, Axford, and I pee like racehorses into whatever size receptacles he wants is the arrangement we made. I can hear Shaq, you're right. Also the fans. Boo. I like the fan sound at night. Do you? It's like somebody big far away goes like, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> over and over from very far away. Pemulus, the alleged weak stomached clutch artist, Pemulus <laughs> showed some serious brass under pressure standing there over that urinal. He played the Onanta man like a fine instrument. I found myself feeling almost proud for him. Silence from Hal, or silence from Mario. Pemulus is uh, going to be terrible at school, but have a great career in whatever field he chooses. Yeah. This is the kind of guy that you're, you want to like hitch, hitch your wagon to. He'd make a great carnival worker. He'd make a great politician. He's got, well, yeah, same deal. Uh, you always give them a show and then give them the snow. <laughs> uh, you and the I snow are the job. Same. <laughs> You are the same as me. <laughs> Every show business is snow business. Yeah. You might think I'm wondering why you aren't asking me why 30 days, why it was so important to do, extract 30 days from the blue blazered guy before a GC slash MS scan. Are we going to get to, does the Whataburger Invitational happen in this book or is it just always referenced? No comment. Okay. As in, what is there to be afraid of, you might ask? Hal, pretty much all I do is love you and be glad I have an excellent brother in every way, Hal. Aww. Jesus, it's just like talking to the moms with you sometimes, boo. <laughs> hey, Hal, except with you, I can feel you mean it. You're up on your elbow. You're on your side, facing my way. I can see your shadow. How does somebody with your kind of Panglossian constitution determine Panglossian. whether you're... Who's, what's, who's Pangloss? Pangloss? Uh, that's a Voltaire character, I believe... I might have my reference wrong here, but I believe Pangloss was is the like eternal optimist, the best of all possible worlds guy. Yes, uh, you know that that everything of our world and society is by its very nature of existing the best possible version of it. Call, I believe call me that's Pan- I think I think that's exactly right. I just I just did the quick search, and it took me to the Wikipedia article for optimism. Yes. I believe, um, but I also believe that it's it's a vaguely satirical character. Yes, of yes. course. He, doesn't he like kind of like take L after L? Yes. I haven't read Voltaire. No, I haven't read Voltaire either. The Philosophes. Maybe uh, maybe I should pick up some Philosophes. Uh, I would like to dive into that stuff. I bought a Shakespeare play in my researching of the Thirty Years' War series. Which one? Uh, one of the histories. Which one? Uh, I don't remember. One of the Henrys or something? My favorite. Well, uh, Henry the Fourth Parts 1 and 2. I think I got Henry the Fourth Part 1 because I was like, oh, this is about... The, I, I was interested in what the uh, Elizabethan perspective of the War of the Roses was. Sure. Uh, but I have not cracked it open. I'm sure if I sat down Let's like one it. Sunday afternoon, I could, I could peel through <laughs> it in a day. Let's read it together. Falstaff is the most iconic character right also it's it's about uh prince Hal being a, fu- like Hal. a fuck boy yeah right. we this that is that that it has to be a connection in, should, a, in addition to hamlet obviously but once i'm done actually writing the 30 years of war series i'll read that and i'll do a book report on this podcast okay does that sound good yeah okay great it's truly my favorite i took a course in but uh, in college that was uh comedies histories romance I, so no tragedies boo uh, but I would like to go back and like read some of the classics of like I don't know pre nineteenth century literature like Voltaire, the Philosophes, yeah, um, some of the Shakespeare's that I haven't hit, mm-hmm. some other stuff, some 
you know, 16th or 17th, 18th century literature. Yeah. God, you should get into um, uh, Emile Zola. Sure. Re- realist uh, novels. It's, it's, I, f- I feel like he really does Wait. paint a picture of a, what? Isn't Emile Zola 20th century? I thought he was 1800s. We'll talk about this. We can find out. It'll be a a 90s style uh, disagreement. Um, Okay, sorry, back in. How does somebody with your kind of Panglossian constitution determine whether you're ever being lied to? I sometimes wonder, boo-boo. Like, what criteria brought to bear? Intuition, induction, reductio, what? You always get hard to understand when you're up on your side on your elbow (laughs) like this. Maybe it just doesn't occur to you, even the possibility. Maybe it's never once struck you that something's being fabricated, misrepresented, skewed hidden. Hey, how? And maybe that's the key. Maybe then whatever said to you is so completely believed by you that what it becomes sort of true in transit flies through the air toward you and reverses its spin and hits you true. However, mendaciously it comes off the other person's stick. Mendaciously. It's giving vocabulary. It's giving vocabulary. Uh, silence from Marion. You know, for me, boo, people seem to lie in different but definite ways I've found. Maybe I can't change the spin the way you can, and this is all I've been able to do is assemble a kind of field guide to the different kinds of ways. Silence from Mario. Some people, from what I've seen, Boo, when they lie, they become very still and centered, and their gaze very concentrated and intense. They try to dominate the person they lie to, the person to whom they're lying. Another type becomes fluttery and insubstantial and punctuates his lie with little self-deprecating motions and sounds, as if credulity were the same as pity. Some bury the lie in so many digressions and asides that they like try to slip the lie in there through all the extraneous data uh, like a tiny bug through a window screen. I hate to say it, but it's time to be real. Do you want to quickly take a be real oh, of yeah, us? Let's, let's do... Sorry, I don't mean to... Uh, hopefully oh, we're, not. We're going to be real right here on the we're pod. We're going to be so real. Uh, I don't know if anyone has downloaded realness. this app, but um, here, here we go. Uh, let's both do mutual selfies. Right. One, two, three. Wonderful. All right. Sorry about that. The shot is not very good, but whatever. Um, sorry about that. All right. Uh, whatever. Some bury the lie in uh, so many digressions and asides that they like try to slip the lie in there through all the extraneous data like a tiny bug through a window screen. Except Orin used to end up telling the truth even when he didn't think he was. Would that that were a family trait, uh, trait family wide, boo. <laughs> Maybe if we call him, he'll come to the Whataburger. You can see him if you want to, if you ask, maybe. Then there are what I might call your kamikaze-style liars. These will tell you a surreal and fundamentally incredible lie and then pretend a crisis of conscience and retract the original lie and then offer you the lie they really want you to buy instead. So the real lie will appear as some kind of concession, Mm, a settlement with truth. That type's mercifully easy to see through. The merciful type of lie... Or then the type who sort of over-elaborates on the lie, buttresses it with Rococo formations of detail and amendment. And that's how you can always tell. Pemulus was like that, I always thought, till his performance over the urinal. Rococo's a pretty word. (laughs) So now I've established a subtype of the over-elaborator type. This is the liar who used to be an over-elaborator and but has somehow snapped to the fact that Rococo elaborations give him away every time. So he changes and now lies tersely, sparingly, a sparry, Sparely, seeming somehow bored. Like what he's saying is too obviously true to waste time on. Silence for Mario. I've established that as a sort of subtype. You sound like you can always tell. Pemulus could have sold that urologist land in there, boo. It was an incredibly high-pressure moment. 
I never thought he had it in him. He was nerveless and stomachless. He projected a kind of weary pragmatism the urologist found impossible to discount. His face was a brass mask. It was almost frightening. I told him I never would have believed he had that kind of performance in him. Psychosis Live on the radio used to read an Eve Arden beauty brochure all the time where Eve Arden says, the importance of a mask is to increase your circulation, quote. The truth is, nobody can always tell, boo. Some types are just too good, too complex and idiosyncratic. Their lies are too close to the truth's heart for you to tell. I can't ever tell. You wanted to know. You're right. It never crosses my mind. Uh, silence from Hal. I'm the type that buy land, I think. You remember my hideous phobic thing about monsters as a kid? Boy, do I ever. <laughs> Boo, I think I no longer believe in monsters as faces in the floor or feral infants or vampires or whatever. Feral infants. We haven't heard about those for a while. Shout out. I think at 17 now, I believe the only real monsters might be the type of liar where there's simply no way to tell. The ones who give nothing away. But then how do you know they're monsters then? That's the monstrosity right there, Boo, I'm starting to think. Golly, Ned, that they walk among <laughs> us, teach our children, inscrutable, brass-faced. Does, that, is, does Hal think that Orin is that type of person? He, I think he thinks Orin is, and I think he thinks his mom is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a new segment. Do we, how, how, no, we're, we're done. What time is it? It's, we're, we're at like thir- perfect time, like 32 or something. Wonderful. 33. Excellent. Okay, that's the end of the segment. Yes. I could feel it ending when he said, I no longer believe in monsters. <laughs> it's uh, it's a real right early, like you're, get, you're getting to the point. You're getting <laughs> to the point of it all, yeah. Yada, yada, yada. yada. I've enjoyed this Mario segment, and I think that Mario is a fascinating character, uh, even if the way that he is fascinating is a bit cliched because he is you know, presented as the simplest person, one of the simplest person yeah. people in the text, but though has the deepest insight into anybody. You yes. Know? I'm also very, I'm intrigued by this thing of like, cause I feel this way a bit. If so, if, if you don't care or don't notice that someone is lying, then yeah. it almost makes it not, it doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter whether it's a lie or not. Yes. You've created like a new, not, not a lie and not a truth, but a, sur- a third, third secret, secret thing. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, if, if you have no ability to be, to have, to be, to differentiate between being deceived and not being deceived, then it like it is simply impossible to lie. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, I am so unbelievably credulous. Yes. Is that the right word? I take I take everyone for their word because I I am I am a, a Panglossian type where I I. It's hard for me to believe that anyone. <laughs> why would you lie? I mean, but I there's feel, a million like reasons to lie. I know. I feel like we're both similar in that. In that. I mean, I, I will tell like white lies about stuff to, to, to kind of gloss social transactions over, like you know, like when I left the house to go meet somebody or something. Yeah, like that. or like lo- I do, but I do some idea- omission that yeah. it's meant toward not hurting people's like feelings. Yeah, but just to 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 kind of some some lies are necessary as social lubricant. Social lubricant, but but the I idea don't of like like, lo- like actually lying to yeah. somebody to deceive somebody about something gross is so inconceivable to me. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have yeah. to do it anymore. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I had to do it somewhat growing up because I, especially in adolescence, I feel like adolescence is when you first learn to truly yeah. to lie. And I, there was, a, you know, I wanted no, to get is, away with stuff. There is something about that. I, I mean, going back on that idea of like lies as social lubricant, I mm-hmm. think that most people learn to lie interacting with their parents 
trying to do that very thing of being like, it's just going to be easier yeah. if the parent thinks this. And I truly don't like, in my mind, I don't think I'm doing any anything wrong. I'm like, I don't think it, I don't think it's wrong for me to go and try to like drink a beer in the woods. Yes. <laughs> like, what's so bad about that? I guess if you die, then but yes. that, but, but, <laughs> but then I'm dead. That's the punishment is me problem. being dead. Uh, I also like the part about the segment that that is consistent through these three conversations that Mario has of people talking past each other, like the way that he's yeah. writing the dialogue, where uh, you know Mario keeps saying like "Hey Hal" as like Hal is monologuing at him, or yeah. "Hey Mom's" as Mom is monologuing at him, yeah. or in the first part where he is like trying to narrate through the camera and people are like not mm-hmm. being able to, um, yeah, and I don't know, it's like it's interesting about how. Uh, how yes simple and direct and non-performative non Mm -hmm. like oh family's back uh (laughs) non uh descriptive or or, you know lying not lying yes sincere sincerity that he is that he is mario mario that he he still has this tremendous difficulty getting a straight conversation out of anybody yeah and i feel like people make that they think it's like his problem because he's so you know uh, no, but it's clearly disabled. Theirs. But it's clearly a them problem. I mean, what does this connect to? The act of going to an AA meeting and really listening to listening, people yes, and yes. identifying. Uh, you you truly won't be able to be a human being unless you like listen to people. Yes, listen to a podcast, perhaps. <laughs> listen to a podcast. Listen I mean. to each other talk. Uh, l- listening rather than waiting for your turn to speak. Yes, Lord knows I I have definitely been in in that mode in in my life. And I'm trying to get out of it. That's like the, one of the challenges of my adult life is to actually listen to people. It's very difficult. It's hard. It's hard. So, society is certainly not built for no. that. And you have to like really proactively. Um, I mean, that, again, that's the thing that I said about the uh, Avril conversation. It's somebody who uh, who apparently does not have any like developed or capable uh, sense of empathy trying to explain the idea of empathy to somebody who very clearly does. Does. And she also, she's so unbelievably like over explainy about it yes. uh, that you, you almost know. Hello. Hello. We're podcasting. Yes. Hi mom. Do you want to say <laughs> hi to our, hi to our listeners? It's, it's for uh, the Infinite Jazz podcast. I don't think I've explained this idea, this podcast. Oh really? Really? Yes. Okay. Hello. Uh, here, say, come, come say, here for one second. Say hello. Say uh, uh, hel- hello, all you. Producing fans. <laughs> uh, that's my mom. That's uh, uh, we're out here in this cabin in Idaho. We'll be done in, in a few. Well, minutes. yeah, we're, we'll wrap up shortly. Um, what were we talking about? Oh yeah, I get. I don't know. It's just like as you get older, you really have to. You have to work. You have to work to. Sometimes I feel like it is a pro, like like just how I have to go on a jog three or four days a week. Yeah. To not become fat and disgusting, <laughs> uh, which is you know nothing against fat people, but for myself, for yourself, yes, my own appraisal of myself. I as you get older and older, I feel like I have to proactively be like, you need to be empathetic now, so I don't become a sociopath <laughs> in my own. Well, like, I just I think narcissism. I, I think human the human experience is desire. It's one thing that I don't. I'm not sure if he's ever used this word specifically in this book, but solipsism, which is yes. the idea that you are the center. Of the universe, and it's, it's really hard to get. Uh, first of all, I believe I'm like, yeah, of course. Like, l- I'm in here. I am in my meatus. It's like the nature of consciousness. How can you not? How feel can like, you not feel that? Yes. But it's 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 like leveling up to uh yeah. to try to to be empathetic and to live in other people's shoes, and it makes you it, it makes you a better person. And I that's think. the interesting thing about Mario is that he's give, 
he he is the people around him think he has a disability, but his disability is not thinking he's the center of the universe. His disability is sanity. Is it? Yeah. Everybody, God, God forbid. Else is insane. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard not to be insane. It's so hard. Yes. It's like one of the hard. It's uh, every day. <laughs> every every day forces are acted upon us to, yes. to try to make us insane. insane. Yeah, it really is. That's it is put one of the conditions of modern life. It's like you 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 realize that part that part as you grow up and become an adult that part of being an adult is fighting against becoming insane. Yeah. At every moment of your yeah. life. In every like aspect yes. of your life. Yes. I mean, Lord knows. I mean, I'm signed up for next door, which is like, <laughs> it's like a local, it's like a localized Facebook basically of yeah, like yeah. people posting everything from I, like, that is an insanity nexus. It, Remember you see beginning? all the different ways you are to be insane of like living in a house in a neighborhood where yeah. I'm just like, honestly, I think, I think the darkest talk, talk about uh, cameras and talk about, um, you know, surveillance. I think the worst in- invention of the past like ten ring. years is the ring camera. The one ring. It, it really is. It's like it's like mythical level bad. You know, remember at the very beginning of the show when we used to talk about cultural chaos rooms? Yeah. I think oh, home ownership. Home ownership is, is a cultural chaos room. I mean, t- like, you know, in a way, like certain segments of of society would uh, would look down on me and Molly because we have been renters our entire adult life. But there is something where, like, I am, I aspire one day to own a house, to have a home of one's own. Yeah, so I can paint uh, wall, walls, walls without someone telling me I have to paint them back or whatever. Yeah, but but I owning a home seems to invariably drive you insane. Yes, like there's no fighting it. It, it will turn like it, it uh, accesses a part of your brain that just makes you. Go crazy. Yeah, because then you start existing in the world differently where you're like, uh, you. This is the, mine. The, it's mine. Yeah, the ownership of, like, to me, I just, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's where you just get, like, full, full sent communism. Like, I don't think anyone should be allowed to own space. You, uh, no, who, no one owns the void. Girl, yes. girl, girls own the void. <laughs> Back off, boys. Girls own the void. But, I, yeah, it just, it start like, I don't know. I just see all these posts where someone will post a video of someone being like, like doing something weird, like in front of their house. I'm like, they're doing something weird in front of your house and you're not home. Yes. It's not not your problem. It's not your problem. Why are you making this your problem, dude? I'm sorry. People, people are going to be on the video, your house 24 hours. It's not right. That shit ain't right. Imagine also going through your ring security camera to see what had happened at your house. No way. Not there. No way. Absolutely not. But, in a way, I can't blame them because just get a dog. society, as we were just saying, makes you go insane. So it's not it's not anyone's it's not fault. Anyone's it's just fault. your responsibility to take some basic measures to not to not yes. have that happen to you. I think that's that's like one of and your to not be insane comes off as mental de- debility. Sure, disability. yeah, too real. They can't they can't handle me. Be real. Be real. <laughs> be real. All right. What do you, uh, what do, you do say? Do you have anything else to say on this? I don't uh, think so. A gathering of angels appeared in the skies. Oh, I'm trying to come sail away. But then they turned out to be the surprise alien starship and surprise twist alien ending. Yeah, the angels that the six guy thought he saw they turned out to be aliens. Uh, we'll be we'll be one of the best twists in a song of all time. We'll be podcasting from Los Angeles uh, next weekend as well. And, and then Matt Chris Grisman and Amber, the single guest of this podcast, Matt Grisman and Amber Wolos, <laughs> uh wedding. Um, weddings. We love them. Weddings, folks. We love them. Molly was pointing out, uh, I think accurately, uh, you know, we are we are deep in the in, in our wedding era of like, you know, the 
four to five weddings a year for the past like four to five years. Past like uh six yeah, years. six six to seven years. Yeah, we should count up how many weddings we've gone to. But yeah. Molly points out correctly that there needs to be some kind of uh social vector other than weddings to have an intergenerational hang. Yes. Like there should be clubs that have like intergenerational night. We we went to one place. I'm sure we talked about it that we were chilling in like not Car- Carlsbad, California. Not yes. Carlsbad. Yes, for Oceanside. A, the, the night for before a wedding, and it was yes. the night before a wedding, and we went to a bar that had like just a funky like b- a live, live band, band playing, playing music from the like 70s, yeah, like 80s, smash and 90s funk hits. Uh, and it was full spectrum of ages like everyone truly ages 8 to 80 and I'm like we like need more like, places like that we because I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm starting to age out of I look around we, we are consistently sometimes the, the oldest people in the club I'm like we need something that can reach across the the generational divide yeah. and just be fun a fun hang because it can, you know o- older people having like one or two weddings a year that that can't be the highlight of your social season yes we gotta keep we gotta keep it rolling we gotta party rock a little there harder. were babies at this carlsbad it was a, a outdoor patio bar it was very suburbs it was like in a strip mall type thing but there was like a fire pit there were like toddlers there there were like fucking college age kids kids who might have been using like a fake id yeah like young people partying uh like like getting wasted yeah there were like yeah, people like us, young, youngish couples. There were like people in their fifties and sixties, just hanging out, sitting in like Adirondack chairs or whatever, uh, yeah. uh, chilling and listening to the band. It was uh, it was awesome. I mean, fuck, are we just getting suburban pilled? I can't. We can't do that. But that's but it should just be it should just be fun. Yeah, there should be more times to have fun. More times to have fun. That's what it's all about. What is best in life? Chilling with chilling the with the homies. All right, we're gonna go. We're gonna go chill with the Speaking homies. Speaking of chilling with the homies, we gotta chill with the fam. Yeah, actually, right. we, actually, we need to take a nap. But yes, we do. But, <laughs> but the rest of the night is just. I think we're gonna order food into this rented house, and the cousins are gonna come over. It's it's lovely. Yay, families, folks. Gotta love them. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks as always for listening. Yep. Um, I thought this was a pretty good one. Yeah. Uh, Mountain Air is doing me good. Rate, review, subscribe. I feel like we never do this. If you feel like it. Um. Send us an email at theinfinitecastpod at gmail.com. Um, we've, I, we get pe- people who have sent, even if we don't respond to them, we appreciate all the all the messages. People like have sent us stuff, you know, noting that we're about to uh, hit really interesting stuff in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, you know, like pointing out things that we miss, like bringing up uh, things that, you know, good, good tangents or whatever. Uh, we really appreciate that people actually listen to this dumb thing and, and get something of it. Yes, we do. We do. So thank you. Thank you. Feels good. Yeah. All right. Bye. Bye.